I don't know if you know this, but like every baptized believer, we have a responsibility to contribute to the parish within whose boundaries we reside. I'm sorry, friends. I'm a little bit in disarray at the moment. I was looking for this episode. I was looking for my dictionary, and I think my friend Mark stole it. Mark my words. Anyway, I know that was a pretty bad one, but welcome, welcome uh, to our next episode. Episode, oh man, I really got to start remembering what number these episodes are. 104, 105, somewhere in there. Uh, Good to have you back. Let's get into our our joy, junk, and Jesus. But before we do that, please make sure that you have rated and reviewed this podcast wherever you're listening to it. It helps other people find it. Uh, Visit our website, manafoodforthought.com, for all of our content. And you can click the Patreon tab there to support us for as little as $1 a month. But the highest, highest compliment you can pay me in this podcast is to share it with other people on social media. And make sure you tag us, especially on Instagram, at manafoodforthought, when you do. But Joy Junk and Jesus, y'all, this past week, my joy is that I went up to Lake Arrowhead, my hometown, my old stomping grounds, and I got to have a night with some guy friends, um, a guy group from high school, and it was really great, and it was just really nostalgic. We went to the Lake Arrowhead Village that next morning um, for breakfast, and I just so many memories there, walking around, memories with them, memories in those places, and as I was leaving the mountain, I took this kind of long way off the mountain through my old subdivision and neighborhood. And over by my my old house, which um, has been bought and flipped and renovated and looks gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. It's just I'm so happy that someone really just gave love to my old home. And it's just so beautiful driving through my old neighborhood. And I was just very grateful for all of the memories, just very grateful to God for like, man, I got to grow up here and just remembering like all the fun things that happened when I was a kid in the neighborhood. And yeah, there's bad things too, but just like all of those really fun childhood memories just started flooding back. I was thinking about my old neighbors and childhood friends and just really grateful for that. It brought me a lot of joy and nostalgia as I was kind of driving back down the mountain. Um, junk is um, my, my kids have been sick, but they're getting better. So that's been a little bit junky, but they've overall been in a really good mood. My kids are are knock on wood they're good sick if if you know if you know or if you're a parent you know what that means like there's some kids who when they get sick like they are just like inconsolable my kids especially my son not so much like they're just kind of they just roll with the punches you know um and so i'm really grateful for that they'll get a little complainy that's more my daughter but that's okay uh, so that's been a little junky and junky junk and jesus is that it's holy week it's Holy Week is the most beautiful, you know, holiest week of the year. There's so many beautiful liturgies, and I'm in charge of RCIA and so journeying with these elect and candidates who are going to be entering into the church. We have 16 people who are going to be entering the church uh, this Easter vigil, which is really cool and a big number for us, and so that's really great. Uh, but the junk is that it's Holy Week, and it's very busy, you know, um, for those of us in ministry, like we know what that's like. And so it's finding that balance, you know, and so wondering what that balance is for me, and maybe it's an opportunity for you to wonder what is the balance for you in your own life uh, this Holy Week, because it is busy. There are other things going on. It's, you know, taxes are almost due. My wife is uh, has all these interviews for a new hire at uh, the college that she works at, and that just happened to fall on Holy Week because the rest of the world doesn't run on a liturgical calendar, you know? So life is still busy and full, and so how do we really, like, set aside time to make this set apart, to make it holy, to make it consecrated to the Lord. So uh, I'm curious about different things you do in your home or in just in your personal practice. Like, what do you do during Holy Week just to kind of 
center yourself on what's happening, you know, especially during these days of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, uh, Easter Saturday. I know this is going to come out on the Easter vigil, but I would still love, love for you to, uh, to share that. So anyways, that's what's going on with me. Always welcome and, and happy to hear what's going on with you. Please share, um, reach out. But today, um, kind of getting back into our normal episodes, which is really cool. And I decided, you know, instead of doing, I used to do this very regimental planning uh, for all of the episodes. And I'm still going to, you know, obviously do my research and things like that and, you know, plan things out, especially when I'm talking about like a, you know, more detailed or sensitive or catechetical topic. But I kind of wanted to start back at these just kind of praying, you know, where is the Holy Spirit been leading me? And the, the weird thing that keeps coming up to me in prayer and in conversation, different things I've been listening to, is just this idea of belonging to a parish. And so where I am in, in Orange County, there's uh, recently there was built this beautiful abbey, St. Michael's Abbey. And if you're ever in the area, please go. I mean, it's like it's it's a cathedral like the cathedrals in Europe. I mean, it speaks of the grandeur and the beauty of God and the beauty of the Catholic faith. And a lot of people visit it and go there for different things. They have a holy hour every single night with confession with the Norbertine monks, which is really awesome. And a lot of people go there. But I have this like concern that there's a lot of people whether they're more traditionally minded or not, that are going there as kind of like their parish. And if you know, like kind of our canonical responsibilities, like that's actually not okay because an abbey's not a parish. They don't have like faith formation programs. They don't have, they're not designed to, um, you know, be a community for families and for parishioners to belong to. You know, they're an abbey. They're a place of prayer. And uh, yes, it's open for people to come and participate in that prayer and experience the beauty of God. But like, it, we're divorcing, in a sense, kind of some of our responsibilities to the church as the body of Christ when we do stuff like that. And so I keep coming back to this passage from the Acts of the Apostles in Acts chapter 2, when it talks about what the communal life of the early church looked like. And this is in verse 44, where it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and divide them among all according to each one's need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple area and to breaking their bread in their homes. They ate their meals with exultation and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to, uh, to their number those who were being saved. And so here, like in the early church, and the model of what church is supposed to be is that everyone contributes to the parish in their area, to the church in their area. They participate in the sacramental life of the church and that that is supposed to be evangelistic and bring other people into the faith. And so that other people will come and go through the RCIA process or whatever process is in place in that time in history for them to come and convert into Catholicism and become a disciple of Jesus Christ within that church, within that framework. And there are certain places where we can go, like retreat centers, abbeys, monasteries that are beautiful places, but they don't function the same way. They're not parishes. And I don't know if you know this, but like every baptized believer, we have a responsibility to contribute to the parish within whose boundaries we reside. So if I, every parish has a parish boundary, you know, kind of like a district, you know, if you will. And every single soul, every single home within that district is the parish's responsibility and it's the parish's job, the pastor's job, to be entrusted with all of the souls within his boundary. And so to create outreach programs that try and meet the needs spiritually, physically, whatever he can, using the resources provided to him for the community. Well, the resources are provided by the community, by the faithful who live there. And so 
I know a lot of people shop around for churches, and we, we can get into a whole nother conversation about that, uh, about why we go to Mass and whether we should be shopping for it or whether we should be coming with a, a heart to give and to offer our praise to God. But I get that there are some places where you just, you cannot worship. You know, it's just like the, there's stuff coming from the pulpit that maybe is toxic or distracting or not in line with what church should be, and I get that. So... We go to other places that are nearby that give us life, that we feel like we can be part of the community, and we contribute. However, that's all fine. But however, we still have a baptismal and a canonical responsibility to contribute time, talent, and treasure, our stewardship, to the parish within whose boundaries we reside. That's our responsibility. And so I've just felt very, like, challenged by this and wanting to challenge other people to recognize, like, do you realize, like, all across the country— there are parishes that are closing, that are clustering because people aren't doing this. And yes, like the church needs to step up its efforts to really meet the needs of the people. But if the church has no resources because the people aren't living out this church-like mentality of the communal life of the Acts of the Apostles in the early church, then the church will have nothing at its fingertips, no resources to be able to provide any of that, to be able to make more disciples. And yes, no, you don't need fancy lights or money or fancy ministries or programs to make disciples. It's done just by evangelizing person to person. But you can create more opportunities for that encounter in sacramental ways, in you know different events or formation experiences, different evangelistic encounters when you have the resources of the faithful who live in those boundaries and when they support as stewards. And so everything that we've been given, we've been given by God and we've been entrusted to by God. We've been trusted with by God to use for his glory. And it's just a question of whether or not are we offering that at all? Or do I worship like kind of as a as a objective observer, someone who's kind of a, a bench warmer, not really in the game. I go to this other place where I don't really have to participate because it's not a parish. It's not a place where I have to uh, participate or be in the programs or help in any way. And I'm not contributing any of my time, talent, or treasure. Or in any of the ways I do contribute my time, talent, and treasure, they're self-focused. I'm committing my time to my prayer life, my devotions, going to my place of worship because it's what I get out of it. I'm committing my talent by, you know, telling other people about this thing that I do or, you know, I don't know. But you, you get the picture. That is it self-focused or is it out of service? Because... I, we, we live in a very materialistic, consumeristic-minded culture, and if we apply that consumeristic mentality to church, we're always going to be wanting and asking about what we received. We're always going to be criticizing the mass or evaluating it based on a consumer perspective, a critic's perspective. You know, how would I rate this experience five out of five stars on Yelp? You know, like that's how we're going to approach church. And that's why when you leave most churches— what is the main feedback? The homily, the music, and maybe the environment. All things that affect us and whether or not we feel fed and we feel welcomed. And I'm not saying that church shouldn't do those things, but we are welcomed by God the Father into his family by our baptism. We are fed and nourished by the Eucharist. We should be sustained and animated by the Holy Spirit regardless of our environment. Like that's what it means to live the animated life of a disciple in relationship with God who is Trinity. And so... I don't know. I just feel like so compelled to share this and remind you, if you're listening to this, like wherever you worship, make sure you're contributing as a steward to that place, but also make sure 
that you are contributing to the parish within whose boundaries you reside because they are relying on you and all of the baptized believers within that area for their support. And even if it's not your cup of tea or you want to worship somewhere else, you still have a responsibility to find ways to offer not just your money, but your time and your talent. Volunteering at a parish within your parish boundaries or at a charity or something like that to offer that for the glory of God. Not just some secular institution that maybe makes a big difference through like recycling or something like that. Again, that is very good. Don't get on me. I'm saying recycle. I compost and recycle like no other. I think it's super important. But I still need to contribute my time, talent, and treasure to a parish community or to an organization, a religious Catholic organization, whatever it is, because that is part of my baptismal responsibility. And it echoes the communal life that was present in the early church in the way that Jesus created the church to be and the teachings of the apostles formulated it and structured it to be. And the same thing is true for us now. And so we cannot get this consumerist-minded mentality. Even if you want to worship in a particular place, make sure you're contributing and participating there and not just going here because it's my favorite type of worship. Okay, well, are you giving back there? Are you volunteering in some way? And making sure you're not abandoning the parish within whose boundaries you reside, because that's a reciprocal relationship. The parish cannot do the ministry that it needs to do if all of the faithful within its boundaries do not support it in some way to allow it to grow and reach out to all the other people within those parish boundaries. I think maybe a big reason why we're seeing a lack of evangelization or a failing of that outreach is because we're not doing enough in reach in our own communities to make sure we're investing back in the community as Catholic disciples and empowering with resources, with our time, talent, and treasure, our parishes to be conduits of that evangelistic drive. And so whatever that looks like, wherever you are, I just, I, I want you to receive that and I encourage you to pray about it. I've been praying about it. Um, I live right on the edge of two communities and the, 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 um, like, like literally right on the border. And the church I work at and worship at is one of those cities. But there's also another one, a smaller parish that um, I live uh, within the zip code of. And so um, that is something that I've really been challenged by to consider like, yeah, that parish I know is struggling or has struggled, is a smaller parish. And I can't, as a baptized believer, abandon the community there because it's I'm part of the body of Christ and I contribute and if the body of Christ has some weakness, it affects the rest of the body. And that's true in a parish. It's true in a family. It's true in a community. It's true in the global church. And whatever small part you and I play in that is a part we have to take ownership of. And so really consider what you can offer and how the Holy Spirit is moving you in hearing this. Because I think he's been compelling me and compelling all of us um, to revive the church from the ground up grassroots revival coming from baptized believers and not waiting for it to come from the top down because sometimes they lack the wherewithal, the gifts, the resources, because we're holding on to them like a consumerist-minded worshiper and not releasing them because we're so focused on what we get versus what we're able to give. So what can you give this week, especially during the midst of this joyful Easter season? Um, Today, Holy Saturday, as this premieres, I hope it's not too early to say, uh, but happy Easter to you. He is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. And what a gift it is to know the truth of the resurrection. And so maybe if this episode doesn't appeal to you or you're not really sure how to connect, uh, something else I can challenge you to do is go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
all about the centrality and the beauty of the resurrection and how everything hinges upon it for us as Christians and as Catholics. As Catholics, the source and summit of our faith is the Eucharist. That's what the Catechism says. But the Eucharist would be meaningless without the resurrection. And so the resurrection is the most prime, important, central reality of our faith. The Catechism also says that. And so if we do not preach Jesus risen from the dead, if we do not have a risen Christocentric idea or theology behind everything that we do and all of the sacraments and everything that we, we are as Catholics, then something is lacking. And often you see that in people or in ministries or in churches who lack joy, who lack hope, who lack fervor, because all of that comes and is animated out of the reality of the resurrection. So go and read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Go support your local parish uh, and the parish you worship at if it's different with your time, talent, and treasure. Uh, Pray for me as I pray for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. Oh, and by the way, you probably saw on our podcast feed that we're now going to be coming out with weekly Bible studies from the live Bible study that I record Uh, and do in person at St. Timothy's in Laguna Niguel every Monday night at 7.30. You are welcome to join that, either in person or on Zoom. It happens every single week, or there's a pre-recorded live study uh, on YouTube that premieres at the same time. So every Monday at 7.30, put it in your calendar. If you want to dive into the gospel every single week, like really dive into it and really get to know the context and the detail of it to really prepare you to hear it proclaimed that upcoming Sunday, that is available for you. And I know there's a lot of other great resources out there, Bishop Barron homilies, Bible in a year. This is just another one for you that hopefully can bless you, where we spend an entire hour diving in just to one gospel passage. And we get a lot of really great questions, comments, reflections, and we dive really deep and peel back the layers. And even though it's still just surface level, there's still so much we could share. Uh, There's a lot that's shared in these Bible studies that you probably won't ever hear or have the time to hear in a homily or another formation series because it's just lacking of time. You know, it's just we don't have enough time in those uh, those settings. So this is a resource that's available to you. You can also watch it on YouTube. You can also come live, as I said, but it's here. The audio for the podcast uh, already premiered the first episode um, this past week. And so uh, I think those are going to be coming out on Wednesdays. Uh, Word Wednesday is something that we do at our parish on social media. So maybe you can have a Word Wednesday. And I know Bishop Barron's homilies come out on Wednesdays as well. So that can just be like your preparation day for uh, for Sunday, even though that should carry into the, your entire week. But anyways, I'm babbling now. I already said my spiel. Peace. Peace.